I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is where the preacher traditionally harangues you about the problems of commercial Christmas. And I thought of that when I was thinking of what I was going to say tonight, and then I thought, wow, how quaint. Remember when commercial Christmas was the worst thing in the world that preachers had to go on about on a Christmas Eve? Boy, the worst thing in our society today is commercial Christmas. Well, have you been living through our society in the last couple of years? It's not even the top 10 commercial Christmas. I don't care about commercial Christmas. I mean, we've got, we've got climate change. We've got toxic politics. We've got polarization. We've got a, a war of invasion in Europe and threats of nuclear weapons. Commercial Christmas is just not on the radar. And I was thinking about that perspective. You know, when things actually get really dark, it kind of makes you... Uh, give you a slap upside the head and say, what was I thinking in those other years about how bad I thought it was? You know? And, and it could get worse. It could get worse. And, and, and thinking about the message of Jesus, you know, the, the preachers, I mean, I've, I was born in 65. I've had a charmed life. Oh, a white guy in Canada. Born in 65. My kids keep reminding me of this. You know, Dad, when you graduated from high school, you could get a job and get your own place and have a car. I mean, who even does that? So, so I've had, you know, this charmed life. I'd be the kind of guy where someone would ask me, has something really, really terrible happened to you? And I'd go, let me think. You know, and I'd think for a while. Oh, yeah, there's a thing that was kind of bad that one time. And that's, that's not the world that we live in now. That's not, that's not what my worries are now. And in those before times, the sweet summer child times, um, we, had to, we had to make the case that Jesus mattered. You know, the birth of a savior. Well, saved from what? Life's pretty good, actually. You know, we're fed, we're housed, got jobs. You know, the biggest problem at Christmas is what are the relatives are going to do over Christmas dinner. And that's our big worry, you know. So we don't... We don't really need to be saved. Yeah, we like a little Jesus in Christmas, but it's kind of like the ornament at the top of the tree. You know, if you don't have a star or an angel up there, it's just not a complete tree. You've got to have the little spirituality in Christmas, and it's great. And it's not exactly the biblical image of the keystone at the top of the arch, without which the whole arch falls down. It's just nice. You've got to have it. Um, and, and, what, and where all my rambling is coming to is that in a darker world... The imagery of the light in the midst of the darkness starts to take on a lot more significance. And we start to hear what the ancient people were trying to tell us when they gifted us with this imagery. There's another little trope. I will, I will indulge myself in a few pot shots. And one of them is that I hear every year is that we stole Christmas from the pagans. Didn't. We didn't actually do that. That doesn't stand up to academic scrutiny. Um, we put it in around a similar time of year than, uh, that other uh, religious and indigenous traditions had their traditions, but it wasn't an act of stealing. It was just our, we put ours here um, for possibly independent reasons uh, because it's about nine months after the date on which they thought Jesus died because they thought he died and was born on the same day on the calendar. And this is about nine months later. But it also started to take on, very early on, a spiritual significance, that the birth of Christ is like the beginning of the light at the, at the, at the, 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 the low point in the year, the, the darkest point in the year. So it's like when, when 
darkness turns to dawn or when midwinter turns, when the days start getting longer again. And, and we put it there because it symbolically made sense. Because the coming of Jesus was for those ancient people, it was about salvation. It was about our Savior is born. And with that in mind, I think as these tumultuous years where unprecedented is the word of the year, I don't know if it was the word of the year, but I kept hearing it a lot last couple of years, unprecedented, pandemic, unprecedented this, unprecedented that, political, unprecedented. Um, so we don't know which way is up. And in that increased turmoil and sense of uncertainty and fear, um, we start to get that sense of the darkness the moral darkness of humanity in which we live um, in a better, more visceral sense. And so we can say today, who will save us from this? Who will save us from all that besets us as the human beings on this planet? And so we come to the story of the Messiah, Jesus. And the important thing for me in that story is that he's not the Messiah that we wanted, we wanted somebody big and strong who would beat up the people that were doing all these bad things to us. That, that's what we wanted. And that impulse has gone nowhere, just to say. Uh, that's still what we want. All those bad people doing bad things, someone should really just show them a thing or two. Give them a good pound. And if they did that in our name, we'd go, yay, that's the Messiah that we want. That's not the Messiah that we got. We got a baby, vulnerable, far away from the centers of power and authority and military might and cash and all the rest of it, no place at the inn, with the main witnesses being the shepherds. And uh, as my friend Marcus pointed out in his meditation this week, um, in that society, shepherds were maybe just a step above what the Europeans thought of uh, the people they called gypsies. Just can't trust them. It, even in Jewish society of the time, Shepherds weren't allowed to testify in, in, um, uh, in court proceedings because they were considered that untrustworthy. And those are the people that the angels appeared to, the people who were considered too low to be trustworthy in decent society. And so the, the, the imagery is clear that the Messiah came at the point of deepest darkness for human nature, and was supposed to save us from this darkness, this moral darkness, this problem that besets us as human beings, that, that we have pain and we have suffering and we have evil. And, you know, we can personify that if you like, but it's the problem of evil that, is, that besets us in every generation. And the Savior came and he said, there's a different way. So we say that God came to us in this person. And that tells us two or three things all at the same time. It says, number one, God exists. And if you're living in a world where God doesn't exist, the question is, who's going to light the candle in the darkness? Well, is there any alternative to a zero-sum world? I don't think there is. There's some room for debate on that, but that's certainly not where I put my money. God exists. And then the second part, which is just as important, is that God actually cares and intervenes in this earthly, physical time and space. Um, it's not the watchmaker God who set up the rules of physics and then wandered off, let the universe do its thing. You know, that's not, that's not who we celebrate. That's not, who, that's not the nature of God that Jesus came to tell us about. The nature of God is that God is intimately involved and can take f form and flesh and blood and be among us. 
So God exists, God works through physical space and time, and God cares. That's a different message than the one that we normally get. And and the final point is, if you want to be part of what God cares about and the solution to the darkness that besets us, we have to start by looking to who Jesus was and that he was not the Messiah that we wanted. If we want to find our way out of the darkness, we have to look to that humility and that vulnerability, the, the qualities of humanity that he exemplified. That the, and as he grew older and did his ministry, you have all those stories of how he reached out to the unloved and the marginalized and all the folks that were not respectable. And he said, all human beings are my brothers and sisters. And, and that is a place of trust and a place of vulnerability. And in, in, in many ways, it's a place of smallness. It's not about me being as big as possible so that you can't hurt me. It's about me engaging with you as a child of God, as Jesus was a child of God. And so in Jesus' smallness, in his vulnerability, in his humanity, he is the Messiah that shows us the way out from this toxic stew that we find ourselves in again and again and again by our own unredeemed human nature. And we're all in it. It's not like those of us sitting in this room are any better than any people out there. Um, At most, we, we have a key or a clue that we're trying to follow. And, and because the, the thing from which we are being saved is in here, as much as Jesus is in here. And so these realities are spiritual realities that are, that are within us and among us at all times. And the story of Christmas points us toward you know, where we're supposed to be looking. Instead of looking out there, for an authority, for a a big hero that will come and save the day with superior firepower, we have to look in here for those qualities in each other and in ourselves that reach out to each other in peace and love and vulnerability and the willingness to risk getting hurt. Because that's required if we're going to find peace on earth. We have to be the one to reach out. And if we are not at peace with each other, somebody has to make the first move and maybe it makes you look like a loser. That's fine. But that's the vulnerability that's required. That's the baby Jesus. That is, that, that's the way that Jesus points us towards. So that, that visceral appreciation that we have, I think, certainly I have this year, of the darkness in which we live, of the potential fraught and um, transient nature of earthly creature comforts and security um, and contentment, um, that the the way out is a a combination of these qualities that Jesus came to exemplify and show us and in which we are allowed to participate through prayer, through humility, through emulating the example, um, that we, we become children of God as Jesus was a child of God. And that's the only way out is if I see in you the child of God that you are already, and you see that in me, and we treat each other that way, even even if the last thing you did to me was slap me in the face. Um, That's okay. You're still a child of God. Somebody needs to forgive. Somebody needs to be the bigger, smaller person um, and let go and be a part of the solution. So for me, 
all I want to share with you this evening is, is that, that way to salvation that Jesus came to show us. And that Jesus allows us to participate on, in us. The hymns say it all. Be born in us today. You all know the hymn. And when we say that, it's not just pretty words like an ornament on the tree. It's, it's a genuine spiritual longing. That we are part of the solution. And Jesus in us is part of the solution. If only we have the courage to look and to be vulnerable and to break ourselves open and to get down to that very vulnerable place where the child lies, that we can become a womb in which, child, which the Christ child is born. And I would hope that is true this evening as it is true of every day of our life on this planet as children of God together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to stand and say with me, the words of the Nicene Creed. Let us confess our faith as we say, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, Light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.